This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. All right, for the first segment of this episode, we got myself, Brendan Nunez, Rich Ivanowski, as we always do, recapping this Dallas Mavericks game. How you feeling, Rich? I'm feeling tenuously good. I mean, it really almost all fell apart there at the end, but uh, we also have Brian Zillum on the line. He is a buddy of ours, and he hosts a Mavericks podcast called the Blue Hardwood Podcast. How are you doing tonight, Brian? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure talking to you guys. I'm feeling like, I don't know, I was almost like as angry as King people were. The fact that they almost somehow, some way blew this game. Um, but I'm laughing a little bit too because, like, a lot of Mavs Twitter was also freaking out about this game. I was like, oh my God, the Mavs stink. And it's like, okay, really, guys? Just like overreacting a little bit. So watching Twitter freak out if you're Mavs Inc. and or Kings personnel has been entertaining for sure. Yeah, we've definitely had Twitter freaking out on the Kings side there. And uh, it was a back-to-back for the Mavs, but a back-to-back off a 50-point win. Um, And I guess my initial question for you, did it feel like very lackadaisical for the Mavericks at first? Almost like reminiscent to the Kings when they played Chicago recently. It felt like they just had expectations of being able to walk all over them do you feel like that was the case with Dallas to start this yeah I'll kind of sum it up honestly I've written in like a nutshell the from start to finish well exception of like the last like six minutes of the fourth quarter Kings were ready to play they were more they needed this game I overheard the Mavs broadcast I think the Kings have been in Dallas since Friday Mavericks did have a you know second night of a back-to-back they did play the Pelicans quote unquote play the Pelicans yesterday, throttled them by forty eight points. So I expected a little bit better of an effort, but you know, maybe they just were I don't know, not I don't want to say tired, but they seemed not very interested in playing defense initially. Uh in the interior of the paint was defense was not very good at all. Lisa and Holmes, it seemed like they were getting their way on the inside. Um, Pound Porzingis' defense is, uh, you know, throughout the night, would I would grade it as awful. But, I, you know, I, I had made a tweet earlier in the night. It's like, despite, like, the, the Mavs back-to-back schedule, I think they'd also played their fifth game in eight days. The Kings had better effort, and they needed this game, and they wanted to win this game. Yeah, I wonder – I wasn't – super super impressed with the Kings other than the fact that 
shots were going in. Um, I don't know. This is something that you mentioned in our last episode, Brendan. Maybe you can tell me if if you think that this matters. You were talking about that Celtics win, how basically it was Buddy was going going off, but other than that, it wasn't like the most impressive win. And I wonder, do you think at all that like, this was Bielitsa and Buddy just really hitting shots? Do you think that kind of covered up um, some kind of more average play? I do. Um, I think the looks in this one were a bit better than what they were getting in the Celtics. Um, So I think it was a combination of those shots falling, and I thought it was some terrible defensive help side rotations for the Mavericks. Yeah, and so that's another question that I have. This one for you, Brian. You know, so Porzingis didn't really feel – I didn't really feel his presence in this game. Like there was big chunks of time where I didn't even realize he was on the floor, especially, you know, as you mentioned defensively, but how is he doing so far this year? I know he's recovering from that injury still coming all the way back, but how has he looked so far? Oh man. It's, uh, I would say if I had to put a letter grade on it, Rich, I would still say I've been given an eye for incomplete because it's just, it's not all together yet. I think a lot of people have criticized, you know, his offensive play. People have suggested his post-ups and mid-range have not been that good, uh, you know, which I think is certainly an area of opportunity for his game offensively. Defensively, I, I feel like his effort is always there. He's not afraid to get in there and get dirty and get a block. But, no, I'm with you 110%. There was times I was – kind of searching for him I felt like he was certainly not there or present like you said in this game at all he played 37 minutes tonight which I was like damn that seems like a lot because especially since generally the thought the thought of the uh start of the season Carlisle was pretty adamant on generally KP was not going to play back-to-back at least like the second night of a back-to-back but you know they had an opportunity to rest the starters yesterday and you know the there was a situation earlier this week where he played a second night of a back-to-back as well. So, I mean, he's certainly getting his minutes. I feel, I feel like he's not out of shape at all. I just really think it's an, it's a brand new situation, brand new system. The guy still hasn't played basketball in two years. So I really think people have to kind of ease up on their expectations and come to terms with, Hey, this might be like a year kind of proposition before he gets his like legs under him. And the Mavericks need to really figure out a better way to get him involved in the offense. Yeah, so the Kings were guarding him with Harrison Barnes, which I thought was interesting. And then putting Bielitsa on a bit of an offensively challenged player and Dorian uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Do do teams do that often, almost put a perimeter defender on Porzingis? I thought it was smart because – Obviously, Porzingis isn't the strongest guy, but you would think he has a size advantage if you were able to get him in the low post. And you mentioned his post offense a little bit. I didn't see them go to that at all. Yeah, for someone like Barnes actually guarding him, I felt like that was actually pretty smart on the coaching staff for the Kings to actually line that up. I haven't really seen that too often, to be honest with you, Brendan. And, you know, if let's say a guy like Harrison Barnes is guarding him in the paint. It's like, hello, like we can't try to get some, at least like inside out type of basketball set up for him, if that's the case. But it's just been weird, man. I just feel like they are still really trying to work it out just because it's been like a Luca show. 
and you know people haven't uh, been so excited the Mavs have been so good people have been kind of most of I guess their the Mavs areas of opportunity uh, have been overlooked but that's certainly like a glaring one it's like okay we're not really getting Porzingis involved and Carlisle has made an attempt at least I want to say twice this season like the first play of the game to make sure they're going to KP directly just to kind of get him going feeling good things like that but it's just it's you know it's like I said, I really just think it, it may just be a full year kind of proposition to kind of figure out like what's the best way to use him in the system with Luca. You know, you mentioned Barnes there briefly, and I had a question about him. Um, you know, I've been really impressed with the Kings' ability or strategy to use him as a tertiary player and to not have him as the focus of their offense when you know, Fox is healthy, when Bogey's healthy, when ideally Bagley is healthy. Um, tonight and recently, um, kind of due to necessity with injuries and all that, but he, he's he's played more ISO ball, which is what he did in Dallas that didn't really work for him. Um, but you obviously saw a lot of him when he was in Dallas working in an ISO a lot of the time. What did you think of Harrison Barnes tonight? And is it different from the Harrison Barnes that you knew when he was playing for the Mavericks? I do feel like Harrison Barnes is playing better offensively. I think for the season, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, he's at a solid 37% uh, shooting threes. I feel like his three-point percentage, I'd had to go back and really dig through the stats, weren't really there. I feel like his offensive uh, prowess as far as being an ISO player was always there, but it just like the Mavs tried to use it all the time just because they just had nothing else. So I think that just got a little overexposed at, at times. Now, when ha again, Harrison Barnes is in the perfect situation, ideally because he could be potentially the third or fourth or even sometimes fifth best option. So that way, you know, when you do have a player that can have like, he's got like an awesome you know, trick. He can actually play isolation ball. Not a lot of people can just get that on a whim. Harrison can actually do that. I want to say at least the last three to four seasons, he's definitely been at least a top 10 player in isolation points for sure. So I do feel like he is a little different player in the King system. In a perfect world, I would love to get this version of Harrison Barnes in the Mavericks lineup now because I feel like he wouldn't have that pressure of like, oh my God, I just got this big money. I have to you know, be a 20-point game player. I have to be a leader of this team. Like, I had to lead them to the playoffs. So, and I just feel like there's a lot less pressure on his shoulders where he can kind of just be more of the Harrison Barnes of old where we saw and remembered him tearing it up in Golden State. Definitely. I like, have, I like what I've seen from Barnes, and it's nice that he has that capability. It's definitely come in handy with all of the injuries, as Rich mentioned, to the Sacramento team. And Rich, on this last episode, we talked about Deadman and really his insane struggles recently and what to do about it. Luke Walton only played eight players this game. Uh, yes, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. I want to talk about this so much. Yeah, Bielita had 16 minutes at the center position. It was only Holmes and Bielita playing the five, and that meant a lot of Ariza and Harrison Barnes at the four. Um, an interesting way to just go a lot of small ball and it felt like a good team to do it against where they don't have this crazy interior presence right it's interesting yeah I, I 
Yeah, we talked like about Wenyin or Harry or other options. Um, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, it does seem like Luke is kind of done with Deadman at least for a little bit. Um, he'll, but I, I remember at the like when when the lead was actually getting up there, I'm like, I wonder if this game's going to get so out of hand that Deadman's going to see the floor. Like that's where I was at. I was like, I wonder if this blowout is going to get so out of hand that Deadman actually might get minutes. Um, but he had his jacket on the whole time. Um, I don't know. I was, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I, I don't know that, you know, Powell and KP are generally pretty decent offensive weapons, I would say. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess they don't have – I yeah, and, and Kristaps can block some shots too, so I guess they don't have – the interior defense that's really going to scare you, but you would think that there would need to be some defensive options and belly. We know isn't a great defender on the interior it was really down to homes, but he did his job. Um, and then KP just didn't have like a dominant night and he's more of an inside out type of guy anyway. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. It was just really interesting to, that we were debating what the best option was. Uh, and it turns out like the option that they went with was none of those options. Just go, yeah, Ariza at the four. I don't know that I love that. Did you like that? Um, I I mean, when you're not playing Deadman, it's it's coming down to like him and James and Barnes. Like I, I felt like with with not playing Deadman, you almost had to do that a bit. Would you have Would you have preferred to see maybe Wenyan get a few of those minutes that Ariza got at the four? Um, I, I was actually fairly happy with Ariza tonight. Uh, I thought that, you know, I think the Sacramento offense went to him a little bit too much. Uh, I don't know if that was schematics or Ariza kind of doing it on the fly, but overall I was pretty happy with the Ariza minutes. Yeah, I was fine with it tonight. I think that on the road against a very good team, you can tighten up your rotation to eight guys and it makes sense. It's not going to be sustainable across, you know, the whole season. Right, and my question to you, Brian, about Sacramento playing small like this is going into this, Dallas was a really good rebounding team. They were fourth in rebounds at 48 a game, and they did out-rebound the Kings 40-35, to but still a good bit below their season average there. I was a bit surprised to not see Dallas really hitting the boards. Did you feel the same with that? Yeah, a little bit, and that's funny because we – you. Re- I joked with you prior to the game starting, what are the Mavericks bad at? And I said, uh, (laughs) I just sent you what they've done in this uh, last 11 games, but they are not the best as far as defending the offensive rebound. And I felt at least, uh, especially in the first maybe three quarters, the Kings had an opportunity to actually get those extra putbacks or when they did get a putback and maybe not a dunk from, whether it be Holmes uh, or Barnes putting it back or even Ariza, they were able to kick it out and find Billy, who was just on fire in the corner. So I I do feel like there's opportunities maybe sometimes where KP could get in there a little bit. I mean, Lucas shouldn't have to get like 18 rebounds for this team because, you know, he obviously did that the other day versus the Pelicans, which was freaking amazing. But you, you certainly wouldn't want your bigs to be a little bit more aggressive, at least you know, if anything, Lucan can have all the rebounds, but block out and make sure you're not giving up that extra possession. How did you feel about the job that Corey Joseph did defensively on Luca? And I guess our final question for you here, just about tell us about how you felt about Luca's game tonight. 
Um, you know, I would say typical Lukash game. Uh, you know, he obviously actually set a record. I'm not sure if you guys saw that or not. I'm actually trying to pull it up right now. This is 25 the, the 20, and 5. Uh, I, I'm tired yeah. of fucking bullshit records i'm sorry <laughs> they're, they're fucking bullshit records they are like i'm not the first I'm not, since mj man what are you talking about yeah but everything is like it's just like we get it like he's really 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 good i don't need these like really pedantic tiny records that no one is like once that happens no one in the past 10 years has been like man i'm really curious who the next player with 25 and 5 is going to be for, right 18 consecutive games or whatever. <laughs> have you seen that Thaddeus Young graphic where he's next to like some of the best players in the league with these super cherry pick stats? It's one of my favorite pictures. You can finesse no, anything. You can finesse anything with numbers. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's almost to the point where it's comical at this point. And it, I will say to Luca's uh, demeanor and credit, anytime he's asked something or informed of something in a postgame like chat with you know uh, one of the Mavs reporters he's just like oh cool that's neat like he acknowledges it but he's like oh we still lost I don't really care kind of thing so you know it just shows that how good of a kid he is I will say you know Joseph obviously I feel like he did you know a fine job because I shared that stat with y'all at least the first half the Mavericks did not have a starter in a uh, you know, plus uh, situation as far as a plus minus. The only players that they had in a plus minus were players that they were trying to get energy off the bench and uh, Lee and JJ Berea. So I felt like he did fine. Um, uh, you know, Luca do- does have the tendency to have crazy third quarters. And I felt like he had a very nice solid quarter. He, I felt like he definitely tried to will the Mavericks back to a win potentially. Uh, but I feel like at least – now, was that uh, a foul? I think that was on Joseph towards the end of the game. He probably yes. caught him on the elbow a little bit. But, you know, I, I'm, you know, it's whatever. Because, like, the Mavericks were down 24. They had no business to be even that close within the game anyway. So, you know, it kind of is what it is. I, I wasn't surprised he got attacked so, so quick in the game. Luka does have a tendency to kind of, like, bark at the refs a little bit. He's always going to do that. I don't want him to get to that Draymond Green type of level, but he does have a tendency to do that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of like a something Luca could kind of work on because I don't want him to get technicals just for complaining about fouls all the time because, like, you know, hey, nobody gets fouls all the time. Like, have that go through Carlisle and make let him be your advocate for you so that way it's, like, I feel like if it goes to the coach, it's like a little bit differently than the the player complaining about it all the time. Then you build that reputation, and you don't want that because like you're a freaking megastar. You don't want to get that bad rap. So, you know, I feel like overall, you know, he still had a you know fine game, and uh, Joseph, I feel like did uh, fine. I was kind of surprised they didn't really throw that many waves of people at him because I know that's usually, I guess, like the best defense for him. Because did they really even try to throw out Ariza and Barnes at him that much? No, it seemed like they were I, I maybe a few minutes here and there, but there were definitely moments when Luca was coming back in and Luke very quickly got uh, Corey Joseph off the bench in order to match those minutes. And I, I think that Luca a little bit tried to take advantage of him in the post, but that wasn't going amazingly. And Sacramento just played him really physically, and it definitely frustrated Luca. 
uh, Rich, I'm sure you caught Grant screaming that Luca needed to get a tech at the beginning of that game, right? He was screaming like a child. He like, really was. No kidding. Like, he was losing his goddamn mind. Yeah. Can I ask y'all a question real quick? What, tell, tell me the logic behind leaving Bielisa out for so long. And I, Oh, God. He's not, he's, no, not, was, he's not a good defender. So, well, I mean, the, there's a logic to it. I'm not saying it's the right logic, but, like, there, he has given up some really, like, some really, really often, awful defensive possessions. Right. And when I, I – you guys obviously saw that tweet I sent. I, uh, you know, when Walton pulled him, you know, I think – from that point, I think the Mavericks went on, like, a 16-2 to two run or something ridiculous like that. But the thing about it was it – was, Believe you know, once Belly was gone, the Kings seemed like they were afraid to go to the basket or, or even like score, or they forgot the fundamentals of basic basketball. If you want to get the, the, the round thing in the hoop, because Harrison Barnes like would just still shoot consistent jumpers or consistent, I like, can, like, ah, oh, can't even fucking talk that. <laughs> contested, like, I got you. Contested jumpers, yes, thank you. And uh, Bogey was open a couple times in the lane, and they just chose to shoot jumpers. And it's like, uh, okay, we we see the bottoms kind of going out a little bit, and like we didn't get concerned when this was within about eight. Hey, maybe we should put uh, Belisa back out there so that way we can kind of at least have somebody to go to offensively rather than like sweat this out. Well, I don't think you can go to Belisa offensively. Like he's not someone you're going to. Um, like he's someone who is there when the shot, you know, like when he'll take what he gets, but he's not a guy you go to on offense. And he's also not a part of the closing lineup pretty much ever. He's generally going to be there to space the floor to start off. He starts the games. He, you know, really, really, really stretches the floor really well early on, but he's not a crunch time guy because his defense isn't there. Like, it's just not. And, and yeah, like, it's nice to have another guy who can hit a shot from pretty much anywhere on the floor. But if you're looking, like you're saying, you know, looking for someone to penetrate, it's not – It's that's not the guy. I do think he would be – he's a solid cutter, though, and a smart offensive player. So I think he could have helped break that zone a little bit. Um, it, it definitely was pulled because of the defense, and they weren't getting stops. But, like – Sacramento was terrified of that zone offense. Like, the cutting stopped, the ball movement stopped. No, I, I'm with you, but, like, everyone on this team is capable of making smart cuts. Like, Ariza was in the game for him, I believe, for a lot of it, and it's not right. that he doesn't know to, what to do. He wasn't doing it, but that's more – to me, that's more of a knock on Ariza. But, again, if belly has got 28, yeah, I probably do leave him in the game over Ariza, but – at the same time, that to me was not really the issue. It's not the reason they gave up a 14-point swing in my mind. We do have to wrap it up and uh, get on to our next segment. We got another – we got a quick segment with Tim Maxwell who's going to dive into uh, – he's going to – he's not been allowed to tweet about Luka Doncic for uh, a week, and he's not going to be able to tweet about that for another week. But he can talk all he wants. He's going to do that with us. And then after that, we will – wrap up the Houston Rockets game that is taking place Monday night. Yep. Thanks for coming on, Brian. And everyone be sure to check out the Blue Hardwood podcast with Brian. Thanks for having me, guys. Are you currently paying off student debt? 
Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. All right, it is part two of our episode today. It's kind of an intermission between covering the Mavericks game and the Houston Rockets game. Uh, We just wanted to bring our friend and uh, terrific writer of all things Kings. It's Tim Maxwell. We wanted to bring him on. He's currently not allowed to tweet about Luka Doncic. However, he can talk about him. Uh, We've brought him on now. He's feeling a little bit under the weather. You'll notice it. But I'd like to think that his sniffles are about uh, the Kings not having Luka. How are you doing today, Mr. Tim Maxwell? You know, it's depressing to watch him play uh, and dominate a game, even though we won tonight, so we should celebrate that. But it is a huge relief off of my shoulders and off of my congested chest that I can finally talk about Luca and not have to pay money to charity, as I promised to do on Twitter. So, and I have not tweeted about him, no matter what people may say. That is not true. They have misinterpreted. That is a lie, sir. (laughs) I've never mentioned his name, not a single time. Okay, but so let me oh, – hold, hold on, hold on. Let's all – <laughs> We're going to pull this up. Let's just slow this down for a second. Just because you're – you've done it to yourself now. Uh, let me ask you, Tim, did you – in this last hour or so when the game was on, did you tweet about basketball? I, I sure did. Uh-huh. Did you – but did you say the word basketball specifically in the tweet? Sometimes, maybe. Mm, see, you didn't, uh, but you were tweeting about basketball. So I, I have your tweets here. You know, you have many tweets here that, and in fact, none of them have the word basketball in them, but they are about basketball. So by that metric, you have tweeted about Luca. But let's move on from that. You and your, you know, how you sleep at night aside, let's talk about the Kings with regards to Luca. The Kings obviously drafted Marvin Bagley in the 2018 draft while Luca was available. I just want you to get this get this off your chest. This was a mistake, right? Oh, well, like no question. Like, if I could bet all of the money in all of my bank accounts and stocks and retirement accounts and whatever else I could put together, like sixty eight dollars or whatever, um, if I could bet that on Luca having a better career than Mar- Marvin Bagley, I would do it in a heartbeat. I mean, there's in my mind, I know we can sit here and say. Well, sure, there's a chance that Marvin Bagley's better than Luca, and we can kind of, like, say that because that's what we're supposed to say because you're supposed to wait three to four years, blah, 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 blah. But Luca is not a normal prospect. So I just, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, there is a 0% chance that Marvin Bagley is better than Luca. I don't – is that a hot take? I don't know. I don't think so. And, yeah. like – I mean, give a little bit of credit to Bagley, you know, that he can be a damn good player in his own right. But Doncic has potential to be the best player in the league at one point. Like, we're recording this right after the Dallas uh, game against the Kings. It felt like Doncic had a bad game, and he had 27, 8, and 7. I mean. So it it did kind of feel like he had a bad game. Not like a really bad game, but like a, a, a less than average game for him, yeah. right? Mainly in the first half. 
but so I mean, but are numbers really the way to do this? Like, I mean, you said twenty-seven, eight, and seven. Like, yeah, that's a good game. Like, you, you know, those are good numbers. But does that necessarily mean he's a great player just because he's putting out great numbers? Well, they're translating to wins, right? I mean, Dallas is currently sixteen and seven in the two seed before the night. I don't know if they're still sitting at the two seed. And it's all riding on the shoulders of Luca. I'm just going to be playing devil's advocate and like checking our logic because I think that he has been very like more than great. Like you think that for his, for what he is, for his age, all that stuff, he's been better than great. Um, But I just wanted, I just want to double check because I worry, you know, he's not been, I'm just going to say for myself, I am lower on him than the average person is, which is still very high, but I'm lower on him than the average person. Well, he doesn't play defense. And I think that's something that probably doesn't get brought up enough because he's so good on the offensive end of the floor that he, he pretty much ignores half the game. So I I think that is a good um, kind of thing that pulls us back a little bit from the Luca going to be goat conversation is he doesn't play defense at all. His efficiency isn't great. He's not a great shooter yet. I mean, I think he's putting up numbers that are incredible, like you said, but um, th- there's still certainly work to be done and doesn't mean he's going to become what he could be. I also think he is he is so like squarely the central identity of that team where that it, it, I just I wonder if it's skewing things a little bit where he's just allowed to shoot as many shots as he wants and is encouraged to do so. And like, we think of him as like this guy who's got this unbelievable step back three and he does. Uh, but you know, his, he shot 32% last year from three and he's shooting 32% this year from three. It's not like, I, I think that he's kind of like in the mold of a James Harden perhaps, but sure. not like, I don't know that he'll ever get to that level. Does that at all help anything? I guess not. But I guess okay. So here's here's where he might I be the best offensive player ever. <laughs> okay, but then he also doesn't play defense at all. So right. I, I mean, here's but here's where my concern lies is that Marvin Bagley also doesn't play great defense, right? That's a fair point. So I mean, is that so? If you're when you talk about Tim, when you talk about it being a mistake for the Kings to draft Bagley over Luca. How much of that is just simply like, doesn't even matter who Marvin Bagley is. Like you just think that Luca is a transcendent talent, the next LeBron James, like it doesn't matter who Marvin Bagley is or how much of it is Bagley is not what we thought. I think it's more Luca. Like, and I think this is the tough part of this conversation, right? Especially on, on mediums like Twitter or, like article comments, there's just not enough nuance. I think Marvin Bagley will be a multi-time all-star. That's, that's, I think he's going to be a very, very good player. I think there's going to be a couple seasons where he probably eclipses the 2010 mark, if not more often than that. He's kind of got like a Chris Bosh, maybe a Mare feel to his game. There's different beliefs about really what role he'll play in, in the NBA. But he's going to be really good. But Luca has the, the potential to become yeah, a LeBron James level player. Not it doesn't mean he's going to. Um, but yeah, this is definitely more about Luca than it is Marvin. You know, if you, if you think about any other draft, right? If you think about 
the 2017 draft or the 2019 draft. If the Kings had taken Bagley number two overall and he produced how he produced last year, we'd all be saying, oh, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty good pickup by the Kings because he's right in that conversation with Aiton and JJJ and above a couple other guys, a couple other big men in the draft. It's just the fact that Luca is so, so special or looks so special to me that Bagley just, I don't think, can make up the ground. And then there's also the other element, which is probably getting a little ahead of ourselves, which is just the positional value of a ball-dominant wing versus a I-need-someone-to-help-me big man, which is not really where we're going with the modern NBA. And I I think part of the frustration is I I think so many fans not saw this level coming, but really saw Luka as the better prospect. Like, I definitely wanted Luka as that two-pick there. Were you guys feeling the same way? Oh, yeah, I, I spent like a whole summer tweeting about it. I know, I know Tim felt the same way. Uh, I did not, I was not as aggressive with it, but I did have Luca higher on my big board. And I, at the time, if the decision were up to me, I would have picked Luca. It was more of like a, I don't know, like a, it was, it, it, to me, it wasn't, I wasn't screaming about it. It, 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 it did, to me, it wasn't like, there's no chance or whatever, but it was more of like uh, I was leaning Luca than I was um, book is closed Luca. But yes, I, I will admit that I would have picked Luca. But let me ask you this though: Is there anyone else that you would have picked over Bagley? Or I guess a way that we can phrase it now is: Would you trade straight up anyone? So obviously, you Tim, I don't really need to ask you: Would you trade Bagley for Luca? You would do. It. You would do that. I would trade any player on the Kings for Luca. What about? Let's not get into this De'Aaron Fox <laughs> thing just yet. Let's rabbit trail. Let's just do this uh, like Go light yeah. lightning round. Brendan, would you trade that? Make that same trade? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, Tim for Bagley. Wait, J- Rich, would you make the trade? Uh, yes. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, Tim. Um, I'm leaning no. And that surprises me because I think I had Aiton slightly above Bagley. I would have to go back and, and look at my tweets. I don't really know. I think I had Aiton slightly above Bagley. And I think he's probably got a little bit of a more impressive, like, frame and basic skill set. But I'll take Bagley's motor and drive over Aiton any day. And how about for you, uh, Brennan? Yeah, I'll go no because of the fit next to Fox. I think that they work really well as both performing well in the open court, even if Sacramento's gone away from that a little bit. But I think part of that is just them not being healthy. Um, I think they're close enough that I would not swap them, but I don't think that Phoenix would either. What about yourself, Rich? I'll also take a no on that. And then let me ask you, Tim, what about Jaron Jackson Jr. for Bagley today? Um, I'm going to say no again. Um I, I think they're comparable players. Like, I, I, JJJ is a little bit better on, on defense and shooting, and Bagley's a little bit more, um, I'd say, like, self-dependent on the offensive end. But I, I think they're same-level players, so I'm going to stick with the guy I know. What about you, Brennan? Ooh, I like Jaron Jackson a lot because of his defensive capabilities. I think that – if we were talking about who we would have initially drafted rather than, you know, like giving up on Bagley and swapping him sort of thing um, and the aspects that go into a trade, I think I would have preferred Jaron Jackson between them. Um, It's not by a super wide margin because I think that like you mentioned, Tim, Jaron Jackson doesn't have the same offensive capabilities as Bagley. Um, 
but he he can knock down the long ball. I think he has a really underrated handle to him, and I just think he has such a opportunity to be really gifted on the defensive end. So I would lean Jaron here slightly. What about yourself, Rich? And just to clarify, you would do that today too? Um, if not, I'd like to know the reasoning behind that. I think that if you're doing a swap with these guys, I think that it really throws the locker room. Like, I think that if it's a really bad look to give up on the guy that was the number two pick, you know, and I think that Bagley does have that capability. I just like the likelihood of Jackson getting there more. Um, yeah. I, found, I find the first half of that to be really reasonable with like the chemistry stuff, but like the feeling of giving up, I think that that wouldn't be a great reason just simply because like, if you truly believe Jaren's the better player, it's not really giving up. On, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I, you're not giving up on Bagley necessarily to get someone better. It's just, you right. It, it's right more of player. like, like you said, the chemistry and then the, but I just think that it would be a bad look on the front office, I guess if it worked out, but, yeah, I mean, they're they're close enough that I wouldn't make the trade, but I do think that I like Jaron a bit better as a prospect. Okay, that's fair. I think that I would keep Bagley as well. I think you make a good case. And then what about Trey? I know this is going to get kind of weird, but it's going to get to a point that I want to make. So, Tim, why don't you tell me who you think is going to be the better player and then if you would have drafted Trey over Bagley? Um, as far as better player – I'm going to roll with Trey. Uh, I'm, it's hard to compare like a power forward center to a point guard as far as who's better. I would say I think Trey's going to have more of an impact on his team than Bagley will. And they're both super talented as far as if I would draft him. I, no, you can't. I don't think a Fox Young backcourt is, is at all feasible really on either end of the floor. Certainly if the Kings weren't going to draft Luka because it was going to take the ball out of his hands if we choose to believe that. Uh, theory, then they certainly aren't going to draft Trey either. Uh, but no, I, I would not have drafted Trey. I, w- I think that would have been a, a relatively large mistake. Unless I guess you think Trey is significantly better than Fox, and then you're trading Fox, and then that's a whole other mess that you've got on your hands. So. Well, well, now you're going uh, fit over best player available, if that's the case, right? Or, or are you just saying that you're, you think that Bagley will be every bit as good as Trey? Yeah, I think it'll be close enough where to draft a second point guard um, next to your franchise cornerstone point guard, little David Kahn action. I, I just don't think that's intelligent enough to do when Fox is a really good player. So, yeah, I guess I'm going fit slightly over better player, but I don't think it's a, a massive gap there. That's what I wanted to get to, just because I think that there's those two schools of thought which is you just draft the best player available or you, you know, or you, you take fit into account. And I think that it's foolish for anyone to say that fit doesn't matter at all. Um, Fit's got to matter at some point. It definitely matters when you're drafting a point guard and your best player is a point guard. I think we all agree on that, but you know, I think that can get us back to the Luca and Fox conversation at how they would fit together. I guess real quick before we do that, you know, I'll say that I would not have drafted Trey, Brendan, um, I, I would not have either. I like the offense, but the defense, I mean, Trey's always going to be one of the worst defenders in the league. Luca doesn't try, but he's capable. 
So do we want to bust this myth of Luca and Fox fitting together, Tim? I think you believe that they would have fit together fine. I, I think they could have fit together. Like you see, I know this is kind of a like a miniature version of this, but Fox and Bogey fit on the floor fine. And I know Bogey is not nearly as ball dominant as Luca. I think they would have fit to a certain extent. Um, and I, I think you could have made it work. Luca wouldn't be putting up quite, he wouldn't be averaging 30, 10, and 9 if he won the Kings today. He'd probably be averaging like, I don't know, 22, 7, and 8. I have no idea. I just made up those numbers off the top of my head. Um, but this is maybe going to be a little controversial. But even if Fox and Luca hadn't worked out, I still would have drafted Luca. And then if you're looking at dealing Fox, I think Luca is that significant of a player in this league that you're getting a pretty nice package for Fox and then building around essentially what the cat, what the Mavs did with Luca and KP is essentially what you're doing with Luca or you know what I'm saying? You're making a trade Fox. You're getting a, a good player or young players back, whatever. So I would have drafted Luca. I think the fit would have worked. I don't think that's a super valid argument. Um, there are times enough where the Kings need an isolation scorer who can take the pressure off of Heald and Fox that I think he would have worked well in the system. And even if not, I still would have gone with it. Thoughts on the fit, Brennan? Yeah, I think the same way. I think it would have been tricky at first, but I think they both have capabilities of playing off balls and even they could take turns initiating the offense. I think that uh, Luca would be a better defender than what you see now because he would have a lower load on the defensive end. I don't think he'd be a crazy impact on the defensive end, but I don't think he'd just be falling asleep left and right and not caring on that end. Um, so I think the defensive fit would have been fine. It would have been a little tricky, but I, I think the offense would have worked fine. They both, they both pass well. They move well without it. And I agree with what Tim said that, I mean, Luke is such a good player that uh, I, would, I would prefer him over De'Aaron Fox if that didn't work out. Jesus Christ. Do you not? This is where we're at, huh? I mean, Greeks to a switch. Uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not with you guys. No, um, I'm not. No, I, I think that it is, I think that it is genuinely foolish to say that there would be no fit issues. Um, I get that you can, I mean, I, you're not saying, you guys aren't saying no fit issues, but I think it would be foolish to say there is not, would not have been significant fit issues. Um, I think that it could have worked. Um, but I don't think that – so, look, Fox broke out partially because he was given the ball so, so much in his second year. Let's remember that Fox had a terrible first year. Terrible. And I – if you, you know, if you're going to sit here and tell me that he couldn't have had a Dennis Jr. Smith – Dennis Smith Jr. situation in year two, I think that you're wrong about that. Um I, maybe it would have gone a little bit better, but I don't think it would have been as good as you guys think. I think that Luca is a very sensational talent, and I think that he needs the ball in his hands a lot. I think that, Brendan, I think you're overrating his ability to play off ball. Uh, Luka Doncic, that is. I, I think that he is the kind of guy who needs, yeah, 20 shots a night, and I think that Darren Fox is not going to be giving you anything near optimal value without the ball in his hands. So. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would have been significant. Um, and I probably would rather have Fox and Bagley than Luca and whatever. Luca and some trade piece. Um, I think that Fox is a very special player as well. 
Um, you know, the injury is unfortunate. The injuries are unfortunate to both Bagley and Fox, but I think that if they stayed healthy and uh, hopefully they will, I think that they could become something as a team because there is no overlap there between Fox and Bagley. There's nothing like, you understand what I'm saying? Like there's no, they are not taking away anything from one another, Fox and Bagley. So yeah, I, I think that I would rather have that unit than just Luca and nothing else. And I think that also part of this is, you know, do we really believe that the Kings would have managed to put the right things around Luca to make him successful? And then you're trusting them to trade away De'Aaron Fox and get the correct value back. You're trusting them to keep Luca happy and, and make the smart enough front office moves to make all that work. I, I don't know. I don't, I really don't think so. Um, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced at all. I think that Darren Fox has been an incredible piece for this team. And I think that Marvin Bagley, if he were healthy and if he were, I think in a couple of years, I think that, uh, or even by the end of this year, I think that he could legitimately be very, very, very valuable as well. And I think that together they could create a total, um, the sum of those parts could be something tremendous and more valuable than Luka Doncic should do. I think that's a totally fair take. Like, I, I think we kind of, and not us three necessarily, but people in the Kings realm and Kings fandom tend to draw these lines in the sand. You know, oh, you're, you think it would be Fox and Bagley. I think Luka plus Fox or Luka plus whatever we got for Fox in the trade. I think they're both relatively sane propositions. Um, and if you would, if you, even if you were to say to me, I think Fox is going to be a better player long-term, a more impactful player long-term than Luka, I wouldn't agree with that take but I don't think it's like outside of the realm of possibility or realism to have that opinion either. I, I think all these players are so young um, that we don't quite know what it's going to do in, in either camp makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, my one counter to the whole trusting the King staff with Luka Doncic, I mean, we're kind of stuck with them trusting trusting them to develop Bagley as well. I, I think that either way, um, no matter who you're picking there, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're stuck with that, that Kings front office, the coaching staff, um, which I think they've done a decent job this year. And, and I am hopeful. I mean, Fox definitely is the cornerstone of this franchise and, and I'm very comfortable with that. I think that Luca will be the better player, but that's not to say that I don't think Sacramento can, can reach some, nice playoff success with with Bagley and Fox as the duo um yeah I'm taking I'm taking the same sort of stance as Tim here where I don't think you're crazy or anything Rich but I definitely would have a preference of Luca just because his feel for the game already um and his orchestrating an offense I like much better than Fox yeah I just for me I know I don't think you guys are crazy either and I it's very close I just for some reason I just can't I can't buy that so with Luca you're gonna need like a second star like the whole thing at that point you would need to find a way to trade for someone who would resign and want to be a second star in Sacramento I don't know that you can do that in Sacramento quite honestly Um, but you know drafting uh, your guys and sticking with them and standing by them and building up around them, adding, you know, pieces like your Harrison Barnes and stuff like that. I think that is a lot more 
possible. Um, and I think that it's, I think that it's insane to say that there's a 0% chance that Luca, that Marvin Bagley never becomes the, the level of player that Luca is. I think saying zero is insane. I think if you say one or two, that's not super insane. Uh, but I think it's possible. Uh, but what's really gets me to the point where I think it's crazy is to say that that's like a closed deal with Luca and Fox because I think Fox is really, really, really special talent. Yeah, I don't think it's a closed deal with Luca and Fox. I think that can be an open debate for the next three to five years, and then and then we'll see where we're at uh, between those two players, side to side, one on one. I think Luca will be the better player, like Brendan said, but I think having the other opinion is fine too. I, I'll I'll allow you to do it, Rich. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you got any other little bit of Luka Doncic that you want to get out on here, Tim? I know you can't do it on Twitter. Um. Uh. No. I. You know, the win tonight helped me a lot. I think emotionally, long term, I'm going to be a wreck about Luca. Uh. But I. I think I'm satisfied. Do you guys have anything else to add? No, just want to clarify, I am very happy with what Sacramento has going forward. I'm optimistic. I don't think that's true. I think you guys both sat here and said you'd trade Fox away in a second. For, For Luka Doncic, yeah. I, I would. I genuinely would. But that doesn't mean I don't have a lot of faith in De'Aaron Fox. I just think that at some point, Luka Doncic is going to be top one, top two player in the NBA. And I think De'Aaron Fox can reach that top 10, maybe top five. And that could still be enough, but I just don't think it's the same level as Luca. All right, I'll forever be the contrarian. I as soon as a guy gets too much hype, I I'm, I turn on them. I, this is how I am. I don't believe in anybody that everyone loves. So, um, look, he's very very good, but I think that there's a chance he could be like a six foot seven Russell Westbrook. I mean, very poor efficiency. Uh, you know, extremely high stats, uh, you know, rebound hunter, doesn't play defense. Listen, he's going to be on an all-star team forever and ever and ever. He will never not be an all-star. He will never not be like at least a third team all-NBA player. But yeah, I don't know. I'll roll, I'll roll with what we got. I, I know it sounds crazy. I get that. I do get that. But I think that they're the way that, that Bagley and Fox could fit together if everything works would could be better. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yep. Well, that is going to do it for this segment, our little Luka Doncic rant. So thank you, Tim, for coming on and doing this with us, man. Yeah, can I just say one last thing? Of course. Uh, just want to make a public apology for Dwayne Dedman. Oh, uh, me too. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're all yeah. – this is from I mean, all of us. I, I wrote – I think it was like 2,800 words basically proving why Dwayne Dedman was the best prospect for the Kings. And then he has been terrible. So alone that uh, te- he's just been awful in every which way possible. So yeah, I want to was, apologize to the whole fandom. He was also our number one pick for <laughs> free agents. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Me and Brenda went really hard on, uh, on the Dedman train. So we should all keep our day jobs. All right. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. 
It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we got the third segment of this episode. We're recording right after the Houston win. And Rich, oh my God, Professor Big Shots, man. I demand that you splice in the audio of <laughs> post-game interview right here. Can you describe that feeling? I mean, uh, the same the same shot body hits like last year in Detroit. So I, I kind of know like uh, what kind of feel is this. But, you know, this is NBA. We have one more game and fuck it. We deserve this win, man. And maybe do it like a few times. Fuck it, fuck it. We deserve this win, man. Fuck it, fuck it. <laughs> here, I'll just, I'll give like a, here, here's a little gap. I'll just, this is a little pause right here. You could just put it in, put it in like four or five times. Here we go. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. We deserve this win, man. Wonderful, wonderful. We, we can do it work. a couple times throughout this segment. Fuck it. Just remix it. Like, <laughs> it, we probably should put it in the intro song at this point. Let's do it. Wow. <laughs> That's a great idea. Oh, God. Wow. I mean, so here's the real question is how do we <laughs> weaponize my stupidity? into something that can <laughs> oh, be this good. was the hardest game of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, I've never been right about anything. So, I mean, do I just <laughs> do we just make sure we do a prediction segment at the end like every recap and I'll just always predict the Kings to lose? Is that how we should do this? It might work. It's worth a try, you know. It feels like it will work. I I don't <laughs> think I can't remember ever being right about anything now. At this point, where I'm at. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! So what? Do, and I mean, let's remember in the last segment. This was, this was yesterday. We recorded it, but or two in the first segment. Brian asked, "Why is Bielitsa not a part of the closing lineups?" And I'm like, "Oh, we don't need him." <laughs> right. Right. So much of a liability on defense. To be fair, he, it was a full offensive possession. But yeah, yeah. and he is a liability on defense. But. <laughs> But, like, I mean, that's just more proof that everything I say is wrong. It's so, true. When you tweeted that that was going to be a successful challenge on that uh, James Harden three, I thought we were screwed. Yeah, and we were. I mean, they, it was a – the call was sustained. Well, they it, they made it on the floor. R- right, right. But, I mean, so they, they, they challenged – technically. They challenged – I don't even know if this is worth talking about. But they challenged the foul and they held the foul. But then – they didn't give continuation, which is right. just weird. Like, it doesn't, none of it makes any sense now. Like, that's the problem. Like, the refs have never called the games correctly all the time, and they've never even really been close. Like, I mean, every, Kings fans know that more than anyone, you know? So why put it under a microscope? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you hate the challenges. Do you not hate them? I don't hate them I don't like them but I don't think they're horrific like the reason I'm okay with it is because you only get one each game so the I mean that's I don't know I don't know if that's a great reason to hate I I hate them because they take so much time they really take forever 
And I hate them because I don't feel like they're often even getting them right necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think we need to get into this conversation, but um, in, in regards to this game, man, um, you know, I want to talk with how they guarded James Harden. I thought that the Kings did a great job with that, mainly sticking Corey Joseph on him, who just the night before covered Luka Doncic and did a great job there. They threw Trevor Ariza, at, Trevor Ariza at James Harden a little bit as well, just to kind of switch it up. But Joseph did a great job. They were doubling him. Uh, Corey Joseph pretty much was on never leave Harden duty, even if Harden's walking up and not even past half court. The rest of the team is up there. Um, there was one possession that was practically four on four because Harden was walking up. They threw a box in one at James Harden a couple times. They threw everything at him and made the rest of the guys beat him. And I thought it was pretty effective. Yeah, I mean, for the the failings that we saw of Corey Joseph at the end of the San Antonio game, you know, outside of that, he's been really, really strong on this road trip. And, yeah, I mean, the road trip, we uh, we can recap the road trip as a whole at the end. But, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, he's been a really good defender, really all season. Like, he's been, um, you know, probably a better defensive point of attack defender than, than Darren Fox. He's probably been, I mean, do you, would, would it be fair to call him like the Marcus smart of this team? Yeah, for sure. I definitely would get behind that. I like that. I mean, he just, he doesn't, he's not always going to make the right play. He did foul Luka Doncic on the last play of the Mavericks game. Um, but you know, that's not, that's just one possession. So yeah, I don't know. He really pesters guys and you can tell that it grinds, it wears down on, the opponent's best scorer pretty much you know that like putting him on Ben Simmons was pretty bold I thought with the length difference but that worked fairly well as well I mean yeah I mean just stick him on anyone as long as they're not a traditional big man and I guess that's the way to go yeah I guess so and meanwhile I I mean this was a very positive game we're feeling good this only ended like 15 minutes ago but Buddy healed like, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it, but he really can't play defense to save his life. Like, there were so many instances towards the ends there where Buddy was the one guarding Westbrook, and at times, you know, they were helping. They were very focused on Harden. But Westbrook had some wide-open layups that a lot of them I would point towards Buddy. Sure, there's a little bit of help defense there as well, but Buddy was a little questionable. He hit a huge three. Don't get me wrong. I also didn't think it was necessarily, like, the – right play it went in but I thought I was, Barnes was open that. Yeah. I was screaming to go cross court to Barnes he was kind of like waving for the ball too yeah and there was just I mean you could tell he was he was he had blinders on like he's done it before you know he's made big shots to win games and I felt like he's you know even he took it twice he took two there um and yeah I just felt like when he had the ball in his hands like okay he's going to shoot this ball yeah, and, you know, to his credit, he knocked it down. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, an interesting note is, you know, you mentioned maybe wanting Wenyon to get some minutes or or someone else to snatch a few. Deadman still did not play in this game, but a second night of a back-to-back, and, you, and Luke still ran with an eight-man rotation. Really tight eight-man rotation. And Yogi only got 11 minutes, so yeah. like, that's not even like a full eight, it felt like. Um, yeah, I, I mean... I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go back to that buddy thing for a second just because it feels like I feel it feels nice to know 
that I've been right in the past about anything because yeah, his, his defense is really bad. Right. Um, and so I feel like that's the one thing I just want to take solace in that knowing that <laughs> I've said his defense is bad before. And yeah, like my goodness, if, if that were, if that would have been the last play of the game, Oh God, what a way to go out to basically let one of the most uh, dynamic driving scores in the NBA take on healed all by himself. Yeah, like I get that you want to go away from Harden, but it's not like Westbrook is anything far from capable of making that play. Like this man was the guy on his team for years. Um, it, it it was something, and it happened throughout the game. But am I mistaken that they they had a timeout, or there was a stop? They had a timeout or a stoppage available where. Walton could have subbed in Buddy. Is that not correct? I mean, subbed out Buddy, excuse me. Um, I believe so. I'm not 100% confident in that, but I do think there was a timeout before that. I thought that there was, and I guess there's... Yeah, because they brought it up full court. And yeah, you're right. Joseph was like hounding Harden, and Westbrook almost like waved him off, like, I'll take it up, don't worry about it. Yeah, so there was the opportunity to get in a more defensive look. So I don't know if that's Walton's whole Buddy Hield's making improvement on defense thing or he's trying to give him the confidence or maybe he just thought there's a chance. I mean, I don't know. There's a chance there's a turnover you want Buddy on or something. Yeah, or they hit a really quick shot and then you need Buddy on on the court for that, the attempt to bring it back. I don't know. Right. But, yeah, I I mean, what did you think of the Ariza minutes in this game? Uh, um, Yeah, I'll I'll let you give your thoughts first on him. You know, I don't love him. I'm not loving what I see from him. But at the same time, it's kind of a situation where, I I mean, I guess James is breaking out as a playable um, three option as a three. And, I mean, you could even push him into uh, that sort of, small ball four potentially he's he's long enough justin james right yes um but i don't know i mean i don't want to just pull stuff from the box score but seven assists is impressive i i just in general i think that he gets a lot of fouls because he's not quick enough anymore um i think that he can be taken advantage of in that way at the same time would i have rather had him on westbrook at the end of the of the game Probably to me, he just feels like a, like a replacement level or maybe that's going too low, but he's just a forward. Like that's, he's just like a, like a, like an average forward. He's like a body that fits that three, four, which is, which is something, which is something valuable. Like there is a value to that because without Ariza, I mean, we've seen this Kings team just not have forwards, like just not have bodies that are, forward size with forward type skill. Um, But I don't think that he's giving you anything special. I would agree. And I don't think that you necessarily expected him to be something special. I I mean, $15 million is a lot of money. Um, And maybe the Kings had a little bit of higher expectations, but I think coming into the year, you and I kind of knew that Ariza was a bit older and 
I think in this game, I mean, he definitely has had his showings of being a negative out there, but I thought that he gave you positive minutes. I, I didn't think that he was a negative impact on either end of the ball, really. I think in Dallas that it felt like either it was in the game plan that Ariza was a little bit too involved in the offense or Ariza was doing it on his own. I didn't feel that as much in this Houston game. Um, there were a couple of three-point shots that I wasn't super happy with, but he's going to kind of throw those up sometimes. He's a nice shooter from deep, so you live with it at times. Um, but I was overall happy with with his game in this one. The seven assists that you just pointed out really surprises me. I didn't. It didn't I, feel like that, so no. I, that's why I was hesitant to even bring it up. But he's like a functional piece to the to the machine. So that's saying something. Like it's clear that this team wants to run a certain way. You know, it's going to be slower. It's going to be uh, a lot of communication on defense, a lot of ball movement on offense, and like he's not going to like fuck that up necessarily. Um, and I think that that's actually like that means something. Like you've got it. Say you got a car. Like just to, like you, say you got an engine, and it's you know it's it's not a very good engine, but you need certain pieces, and he fits. He's one of those pieces, and it's like an older piece, but it works. So like the engine will run with him in there. Right. I just he's not like any. It's not shiny or new or pristine by any means. Right, and you know the gas tonight for this car was the Kings three point shot. I thought that, you know, they did a great job on the offensive end and Houston was switching everything and Sacramento did a good job of taking advantage of that and some slow rotations. They were slipping those screens sometimes, some those picks, but at the same time, Sacramento was knocking down a lot of their shots. I think they struggled a little bit to knock them down in the fourth actually my apologies they hit six of them in the fourth but at the end of the third they had made the exact same amount of threes as the Rockets on 10 less attempts and to end the night they were 44 percent from three Houston was 34 Um, I, I thought that Houston hit a good amount of their shots as well but Sacramento did definitely favor from having a nice shooting night yeah and it was kind of a little bit of everybody it wasn't one of those you know, Buddy Heald going crazy, like 10 of 12 from three, or Bielitsa, like five of five from three. You know, everyone kind of got in the mix, including Corey Joseph, right. who has been just ice cold from, from outside for a while now. Yeah, that was the biggest one. It was Corey Joseph going three of five. I was like, oh man, something's in the air tonight. And Ariza, um, I, he only ended two of six, but he started hot there. Um, yeah, that, that definitely was of benefit for them. And yeah, that's, that's what else do you got here, man? Ben McLemore almost icing the Kings. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a painful way to go out that or just buddy, the buddy, the turnstile. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really didn't think the Kings had it in them tonight. And again, you know, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about so many things. So many things. I don't even know how I'm passing my classes. That's how wrong I am about all things. Um, you know, I just didn't I didn't think they had the horses because something that I think I've really been noticing, and it's no surprise, it's not it may not even be worth pointing out when there's um, you know, guys like Bagley and Fox out, but it doesn't feel like they have the go-to players, I don't believe that Buddy Heald should be a first or maybe even second option on a good functional offense. Um, 
I don't really think that about Harrison Barnes. Um, definitely don't think that about Bielitsa Holmes or Joseph. And, you know, I think Bogey can give them that at times in, in the second unit, but it just felt like there's so many, like this is like a team constructed of purely role players at this point. So I was worried that they just didn't, because this is where I really noticed it was when Barnes would pass up open shots where I'm like, okay, so what's the plan here? Like who is taking the shots now? Like who, if it's not, if Barnes is going to pass up an open three, like what, who is Walton giving the green light to at this point? I know Heald will always take those, but I mean, I just don't, I don't know who's the, who's the number one option on this team right now offensively. I think it's Harrison Barnes. Like, and like you're saying, I totally agree that there isn't really a guy that you're comfortable with being that number one. But I think Barnes has a bit of experience doing it in Dallas, even though it wasn't the most successful. But with these injuries, you know, there's certain guys stepping up on different nights. Buddy Heald has been a little bit more streaky this year than what we're kind of used to. But then you'll get nice games from Holmes tonight. I mean, five, six of the eight guys that played scored over 10 points. So you're just kind of getting it a little bit from everywhere. And I totally saw, I can picture one possession clearly where they passed so many open looks, mm-hmm. but eventually did uh, get a nice look as well. So I'm glad that they are preaching the the ball movement. And I think that is part of the positive that's allowing this offense to be successful but I think that in this one, the three-point shooting kind of kept them in it. And it was really just impressive defense. Even though Houston ended up with 118, really the key to this one was, I think, making others make the plays rather than James Harden. Yeah, no, I guess I think this was – I think you're right. This was a defensive victory, which is astonishing to say about a road back-to-back against the Houston Rockets. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And – yeah, I don't know. I, I I mean, I think that that issue of not having a go-to scorer or a number one shot taker, it's going to go away very quickly because I think it's safe to say that Bagley will be back probably in the next game, and if not, the game after that. Um, he's been cleared for basketball activities already by a couple of days, so – yeah, I think that's that'll change now. If that'll be like super effective, I'm not 100 percent sure. But it's just that kind of thing where you you don't want Barnes as your number one guy. Like he's kind of proven that. And then I definitely don't want Hill as my number one guy. Totally fine for him to take every three that he wants. But when he is is trying to score off the dribble, I I am uncomfortable with that. It doesn't make me feel confident watching him try to drive and create. So yeah, I don't know. That'll change. That will change because of the injury stuff. Um, and I'm looking forward to that should be happening very, very, very soon. Um, do we want to kind of recap the road trip as a whole? The, uh, it's guess it's called the rodeo road trip through Texas Texas triangle, right? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, and there was that Portland game to start, which I think we kind of threw out the window with no bogey, um, gave him a little bit of a pass on that one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. Imagine if they didn't blow that game in San Antonio, how good we would be feeling right now. If you went into the Texas Triangle and won all three games, that would have been amazing. And yeah, they absolutely should have done that at this point. I mean, I don't know. Does this does does pulling this one out 
negate any of the failure of San Antonio? It definitely makes people forget quicker and feel a lot better. It's been a lot of ups and downs. It's been quite a roller coaster ride throughout this year with, you know, losing the first five and then feeling confident on that East Coast road trip. And yeah, and then the Chicago, Portland, San Antonio losses. And now I think that King fans are writing a little bit of a high after this. So it doesn't make up for it necessarily, but it helps you forget a little quicker. Net positive this road trip? For sure. I I definitely would have been happy with going 2-0. And I would have thought that the Portland and San Antonio games were the winnable ones. Yeah. And what do we know? Honestly. Apparently. (laughs) It's frustrating. It's frustrating, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed with Corey Joseph tonight, especially. No turnovers is big. Yeah, and yeah, Kings high, or like, I don't know how to say that. Career high with the Kings, uh, 14 points. That's uh, his best there uh, with Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, and he's really emerged as a, uh, I mean, yeah, shutdown defender. Because if you're giving up, like, whatever it was, 24, uh, 27 to Luca, 27 to Harden. That's kind of like giving up, I don't know, 12 to a regular all-star. I don't know. Right. And one of the biggest things about the offense of this game was that they didn't turn the ball over. Um, I thought that Houston was a little bit lazy. They weren't quite aggressive with their defense. I think getting PJ Tucker in foul trouble early was a big factor there. But Houston was seventh in opponent turnovers at 16 a game. Sacramento only had nine this entire game. And then on the other end, they had 14 steals. Really impressive. This, yeah. And that was, I feel like it was another thing where you mentioned the threes, kind of everybody contributed. I feel like everyone had active hands and really did a good job, uh, really did a good job playing passing lanes and, and help defense. Definitely two for Riza, two for Buddy, two for Kojo, two for a uh, wow, one for Barnes, four for Holmes, and three for Bielitsa. There, so. Holmes also has just if if we didn't know it already, it, it it's gone from just a shot walker to a really really strong defender overall. Yeah, it's insane. And shout out to Bielitsa on his rim protection playing the five. Like, I don't think he's great in that aspect, but he's being in the right spots on these rotations when they're asking him to do it. Yeah, yeah. it's not great, but it'll do. It's serviceable uh, for now. Listen, so they're half a game out of the eight seed. I know it is foolish to even discuss this. Uh, Tim loves to do it, so thanks, Tim. Um, but can we just do a little – it's a little tiny temperature check – and hit me with the percentage chance that they make the playoffs just just so we can kind of track this throughout the year where we because we've been at zero basically before right at the own five start oh yeah for sure we were done we were talking percentage of chance luke gets fired and i said a stupid number Uh, um (laughs) we're all all wrong sometimes we're all wrong about the kings most of the time i am feeling good right now man but like you said bagley should be back potentially next game Fox has a, a little while to him, but he will be back here. And then you look like you have a legitimate 10-man lineup, not including Deadman, who I am the last person holding out hope there. I'm going like 65% chance playoffs right now. That is such a high number, Brendan. Dude, I am feeling... I'm just going to tell you, that's a high number. Where are you at now, man? 
I'll say I'll I'll be. I thought I was going to be kind and say like a one thirds, like a thirty three percent chance. I thought I was going to be kind with that. They're up and down, but they keep on coming back up, and it feels like that they're is more of the positive than the negatives at times this year. It also, I'm going crazy after this game winner. I'm feeling good. But the bottom of this West, you know, my 43, what was it, 43 or 44 wins and making the playoffs is not looking crazy. It's not crazy at all. I mean, it could be 41. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I full credit, full respect there. Who else makes it in with them? Thunder, Suns, Timberwolves, Spurs, or Blazers? Oh man, it's hard to not like pick the Spurs, right? But well, after what we saw, like that's the thing, like that only reinforced my fear of Popovich, right? But I, I mean, it really was Sacramento losing it more than San. Like San Antonio took advantage of Sacramento playing terrible, but I mean that roster does not look like they're well put together. The spacing on their offense is terrible. Um, and their defense isn't good enough to make up for that. So, so Utah's in it, right? I, I mean, they're kind of a little bit further uh, in that sixth seed. I have clearly. six locks, yeah. Right. I, I, I have six locks. Mm. My other one, man, this is all really close. I think I still want to go Portland. Actually, they just had Rodney Hood go down too. You're really going to sit here and pick against Carmelo Anthony? <laughs> right. How dare I? I kind of want to go OKC if they don't flip their guys. It's crazy because none of them really scare you, right? Like the Thunder don't scare you. The right. Suns don't scare you. The Timberwolves don't scare you. And then the Spurs and Blazers. doesn't scare you? Yeah. And, and San Antonio <laughs> and Portland should scare you, but haven't yet. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going 33% chance, and, and yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll revisit this maybe. I was thinking maybe the next episode we could do quarter season awards for the Kings. Yeah. Pick a, pick a most improved, whatever, whatever. I like it. And we're done with predictions. You know, we'll just state the next games. We got a two-game homestand, OKC in New York. Yeah, we'll just be, a, a, we'll just be like an audio book of box scores from now on. There you go. They are winnable games, period. Why would you say that? <laughs> what? I'm not, it's not a prediction. <laughs> it's not a prediction. Every game is a winnable game, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's true, too. <laughs> I think that the, the Kings can win or lose any game. Like, I think that it's all, everything's in play. They right. can get taken. It's terrifying. To, yeah. The Warriors could blow them out at home, and they could beat the Lakers on the road. I mean, honestly, honestly. Right. AD could have a donut. Alec Burks could have 35. All right. Does that do it, man? Yeah, play the clip one more time. Fuck it. We deserve this win, man. (laughs) We'll close it on that. We'll Uh, close it on that. Peace.